Hey, it's me, your barista. You know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Well, now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. And it's foaming delicious. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa... Do you have a filter on? You look like a cat. No, Aaron, that's just my face. Oh my gosh. I wish that I had a cat face. That would be so cool. Um, By the way, when you saw that video the other day, did you, like, how hard did you laugh? The video, just for people who aren't familiar, there was a video of a a Zoom courtroom appearance where one of the lawyers uh, had a filter stuck on on his Zoom where he appeared to be a cat. Um, How hard did you laugh when you saw that? I fucking died. I died. I might have peed myself a little bit because it was so funny. I laughed so hard that I needed to take my inhaler. I normally take my inhaler before I like do physical activity, but I needed, I laughed so hard that my lungs were like, I can't breathe anymore and I needed to medicate. And I love that they uh, they interviewed the Catman on CBS this morning with Vlad Dutier. And Vlad was like, tell me what you think about this. And he's like, I'm glad we could all use a reason to laugh. I'm glad I brought some laughter to people. That's great. What a good attitude. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are joined by Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, Tian Tran, and Akila Hughes to tackle the following questions. How is Congress using this moment in history to make the case for universal paid sick leave? Did witnessing media mistreatment of women in the Y2K era mess with our heads? What does Valentine's Day mean during a pandemic? And is Michaela Cole being snubbed for awards nominations a travesty or what? That's not a question. It's a travesty. All this and more right now. And welcome to the show. We have a fair amount of news to get to today, but um, let's start with the news of the week, which is a second impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump. So on Tuesday, the Senate convened to begin the second impeachment trial of the president, impeachment to, Alyssa, what do you think the, the sequel to the impeachment should be called? Impeachment to, not electric Impeachment boogaloo. plus. Impeachment yeah, plus. The, the boogaloo. Impeachment to the boogaloo boys. Yeah, that's, it actually literally is the boogaloo. Which, ugh, finally that title is not ridiculous. Um, House impeachment manager uh, Jamie Raskin of Maryland, who is the lead impeachment manager, um, gave some pretty stirring speeches on Tuesday. Um, I've heard them played, like the video, they opened with a video that was like nine or 10 minutes long that was a super cut of all of the lowlights of that day. And I've seen that played over and over in a lot of media. Also, I've seen um, Raskin's, speech where he was talking about his personal experience um, played a lot. Alyssa, what was your reaction to uh, Raskin's uh, presence as as the lead uh, impeachment manager? Now, look, I mean, we've talked about how I just kind of like love the theater of all these different things of like, you know, how it all unfolds. I was genuinely moved like and more emotional than I thought I would have been rewatching it all because, you know, the one thing that no one has really done since January 6th is put it in chronological order of the superimposed of what was happening. And they didn't have timestamps or anything like that, but it was chronological. And you see as everything's happening, they show what Trump is tweeting as it's happening. And it is just, uh, 
it is there is some footage that we had not seen before that had not been widely shared on the news. Apparently, there's more coming today um, that is apparently fairly traumatic um, that's never been shared. I mean, I thought he did an incredible job. I thought that part of what made his uh, his opening so powerful was the personal story he shared that he had buried his son the day before that his kids uh, and his son-in-law were there in the chamber with him. Um, and I just think they did a, they did a great job, but nevertheless, uh, 44 Senate Republicans still voted, uh, that this impeachment proceeding was unconstitutional. Six Republicans switched sides. Um, Cassidy Collins, Murkowski, Romney, Sass, and Toomey, a few of those are retiring. So they're waiting till, you know, they're on their way out of the elevator to leave their, you know, fart. Uh, so what I mean, What do you make of the fact that it seems like Republicans just completely don't care about anything except protecting the president's, the former president's interests? Well, first, I have to say the, the best way I have heard Trump referred to was on SNL this past weekend, where they refer to him as former social media influencer Donald Trump, because that's actually what he is. Look, I guess on the one hand, you know, the one thing I found sort of heartening was the interview that Bill Cassidy gave, where he said he actually did go in, senator from Louisiana, a Republican, um, saying that he did actually go in with an open mind and was persuaded by the case the Democrats gave, made. And, um, you know, that he, that he, the way they laid it out, he did see it as constitutional. And so, I mean, it's so hard to hold out hope that like Republicans are going to grow a conscience, which is why the sort of very disingenuous, like media commentary over whether Biden's bills will be bipartisan. It's like, the fuck do you mean by bipartisan? These people can't even say that a man who incited a riot should be impeached. Like they can't even say it's constitutional. So it's just, none of it feels very on the level. Yeah, it really doesn't, especially, you know, after the performance of the former presidents or the former social media influencers, um, defense team yesterday or on, on, on Tuesday, which was embarrassingly incoherent, like just completely like, you know, they could have just showed up and burped the alphabet and been more convincing. And honestly, they probably would have lost zero Republicans also. It just seems like they don't care. Uh, they don't really. And the thing that, that really gets to me is like, you know, a lot of these Republicans in the Senate, really want to run for president and have mm-hmm. real, have have hidden that desire with very little effort. Um, and so why wouldn't you use this opportunity to come across to the American people like somebody who is principled and brave? Because honestly, I, I think that a lot of Republicans know what the right thing to do is, but they're just not doing it because it's hard. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that it would be a great opportunity for a Republican who has no soul, but still, but had political ambitions to be calculating and choose to, uh, move to convict the former president. And also, you know, in, in the light of that conviction, voting to bar him from running for office again, that can only serve people with presidential aspirations. Well, like, do we really think that president Trump, I mean, look, If I'm wrong, I will admit this. But President Trump is not a young man. 
And part no. of like what they've, he's not a young man. He eats trash and doesn't exercise. And he's had a uh, disease that has long-term impacts to the cardiovascular system that scientists haven't really studied that much. So we don't know if he's experiencing these debilitating long-term effects of having COVID serious enough that he had to be hospitalized. Why, why would Republicans put their political futures with this person? Yeah, maybe their constituents are leaving mean comments on their Facebook pages. Yeah, maybe they're getting a bunch of, you know, threats from people who say that they're going to do bad things to them. But guess what? I was a feminist blogger in the year 2012, and I've taken so many threats. I've gotten so (laughs) many threats from people who are just completely gross trolls. And you know how many times I've actually been attacked? Zero times. Zero times. Like, people who threaten you online, for the most part, are leveling empty threats at you. I think that like senators and members of the House and Republicans who have very little digital savvy are taking saber rattling by keyboard warriors to be something that they should actually be afraid of. And the reality is they should, this is not a, that's not reason enough to be a coward. Like be brave. You got elected to be fucking brave. And I just don't have any faith in uh, in their ability to be brave. And not only that, Aaron, but I think the thing is, if you were like complicit in something that ended with very bad results, wouldn't you try to fix it? Do you know what I mean? All these dickheads were complicit in what Donald Trump in like January 6th wasn't caused on January 6th. It started before the man even became president. And so he has been building up to this and they stood there and they let it happen. And they knew that all of his rhetoric, all of his racism and bigotry and hate speech was never going to end anywhere good. And guess where it ended? A fucking Les Miserables type scene unfolding at the United States Capitol. And you'd think that they'd be like, shit, I sat back and let all that stuff happen. And like, if I don't do this, I shouldn't be in my job. And instead they're like, yo, we created a monster that's turning on us. We just got to lay low. Yeah. Can I, can I pitch a title for the Les Miserables that we saw? It was more like, please do. It was like Les Deplorables. It was Les Deplorables. Les Deplorables. It was just like, it was gross. And, you know, watching the video that Raskin played before the proceedings started as part of his opening argument, was uh, really upsetting, you know, really, really upsetting. And, and there's and there's like nothing that is going to convince these people. And here's the thing I, I've been thinking and we had a kind of text exchange about this. Um, you said half of Americans voted for Donald Trump. And I said you know, half of half of voters, half of people who cast ballots voted for Donald Trump. And if you take the number of people who voted for Donald Trump in the last election, I, it's like less than it's like 23 percent of the American population. It's not Mm -hmm. that many. The people who support Donald Trump are highly motivated and most of them showed up to vote. Although some of the people that attacked the Capitol actually didn't vote, which is like- I heard, yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, Sorry, dude, you you didn't vote and you're storming the Capitol? Like, go to plan A before you go to plan- Storm your house. Like, you're the one. (laughs) Seriously, storm the the paper you need to fill out to get registered, you dipshit. Um, it, It just- I think that even though it might feel right now that we are in a time when there's a depressing number of people 
it's not it's not the majority. You know, the majority Correct. of Americans do not want the Capitol storm. The majority of Americans do not want people like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul calling the shots. The majority of Americans don't want McConnell in charge of the Senate. It's it's like this is a dark moment in our history, but there's more of us than there are of them. And the key is for us to just stay engaged and stay with it, I think. Even though it's yeah, exhausting gotta, and, it, and it sucks. Got to be the, there's the tortoise in the hair and we just got to be the tortoise in this one. Just got to keep going. Got to be the tortoise. Just don't get flipped on our backs. Because no, no. that's dangerous. Low and slow, low and slow. Low and slow. Like scrambled eggs or roast pork. I'm really hungry, Alyssa. I'm me too. Very- I'm so hungry. I texted my dad to get me a bagel. <laughs> Oh, I wish I lived close enough so that my dad could drive by and fling a bagel at me. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about other stuff that's going on in the news that doesn't start with a T and end with a rump. Today, we are so excited to welcome Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro. She currently serves Connecticut's third district and has been there since 1991, And she's the chair of the House Appropriations Committee, a founding member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, and a lifelong advocate for women's reproductive rights. How refreshing. Welcome, Congresswoman (laughs) DeLauro. Thank you. Excited to be with you guys. This is great. Yeah, we are excited that you're here because we have an exciting thing to talk about with you. Last week, you and friend of hysteria, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, reintroduced the Family Act which was first introduced in 2013. So can you tell us what the bill seeks to accomplish and why you think now is the time to push the legislation? Well, let me let me just say, can I, I would like to use myself as an example uh, about what paid family medical leave means. Uh, I think it was 1986. I was chief of staff for Senator Chris Dodd. Uh, I was about to make the transition from the... Um, uh, congressional staff to the campaign staff because it was his second uh, 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 re-election effort. So uh, I had not been feeling well and nothing. I've been going back and forth to doctors, etc. I go uh, that uh, th- that day and uh, I am told that their belief is that I uh, have uh, ovarian cancer. Oh my gosh. And so, and uh, I I actually went through the day. I don't know how how we did it because well, you know, I said nothing to him, you know, that 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 day, but got through it. Um, you know, it, it was when you get a cancer diagnosis, you you stop thinking. You don't you don't hear. You just don't hear anything except your own concern with your mortality. Um, long and the short of it. So the next day, I went to see him. And, and because they told me that I had to be in the hospital. Uh, uh, this was like a Thursday. I had to be in the hospital on Sunday. So I went to him and I said, look, uh, this is the story. I don't, I, I said, oh, look, I don't know if I am coming back. I, I said, but I, I want you to know I, I have to go off. This is what Chris Dodd said to me. That's what I, I want to get to and why the value of a paid family and medical leave. He said, Rosa, nothing to worry about. You, your job is there, your paycheck is there. We will wait for you to come back to begin the campaign. Just go and get yourself well. Now, I was a staff person. I was not a member of Congress. I had, we had three kids 
various stages of schooling, et cetera, how to pay the bills or anything like that. I didn't have to worry about anything like that. My employer said to me, go get well. And he later introduced family and medical leave unpaid, but it was that I, I could get the care that I needed and I could, uh, at, 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 and at the same time, not be consumed and worried about how we were going to make it and how we were going to do this. Just go get yourself well. I will fast forward very, very quickly. Three years ago, my mom at age 103, um, uh, she went into hospice and uh, or went into the hospital. She was ill uh, 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 in the last days of her life for six weeks. I spent every single day with her. Six weeks. I was a member of Congress. No one said to me, Rosa, sorry, you can't come back on the job. Your paycheck isn't coming. So it should not be only for staff of congressional leaders, or it should not be members of Congress. Everyone should have the opportunity to be able to take care of their own health and the health of their families without having to suffer the loss of a job or a paycheck. That is what the family, the paid family and medical leave bill is about. That's what uh, Senator Gillibrand and I have been working on since 2013. And you know what's very exciting? We're gonna get it done. This is a Biden administration that is going to get it done because uh, it's what they it's what they believe in. It's the values, and you know, especially now for the pandemic, think about it. Stay home, don't go to work. You're out of a job, so you have no other choice. Your kids can't go to school. There, you know, and but you have no source of income. So right now, I mean, the moment has caught up with us in a very profound way to be able to get this done. I'm sorry I took so long, but it's, it, it's, no. the, stories, it's the stories that make this real, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. The absence of any proper paid medical or family leave disproportionately affects women, women. and women of color. Right. How will the Family Act work to directly address that issue? Yeah, well, you know, it is, uh, it's available to, uh, to uh, uh, everyone and that you do not have to uh, leave uh, your job. Uh, we, we now have it so that it is, you know, mandated uh, uh, and uh, uh, that, so that employers have to do it. And the cost is uh, shared. It's like Social Security. Uh, and it winds up being a dollar fifty, two dollars a month. It's you put in uh, uh, the the uh, the amount every month. Your employer puts that in uh, the same way. And so it's a shared responsibility, employer and employee, which is goes into a trust fund, um, uh, and then is used, uh, you know, to to pay it out. You 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 can't get more than. 12 weeks, you're at 66% of your, of your salary. Um, and so we've, you know, and it's been a pleasure to work with Senator Gillibrand. We've kind of worked out all the bugs, et cetera, so we can move forward. And we believe it's the gold standard in, in trying to move forward. And Congresswoman, you just referenced Social Security and compared this to right. Social Security. When mm -hmm. Social Security was enacted, how many seniors were lifted out of poverty because 90%. of Social Security? 90% of seniors lifted out of 
poverty, uh, which is really extraordinary. And what's so wonderful about this time, and you all are students of the, uh, of the institution, it has such strength in making a difference and giving people the, 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 a better chance at a better life. That's what we're about. That's what this institution does. And you watched it when I talked about lifting 90% of people out of poverty. And you spoke about, about women. Women are usually the caregivers. Your kid gets sick, who stays home? You know, as if, if there is a choice, you stay home. And so that you, this is transformative for women and women of color. Uh, in, 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 in particular. And as I say, what's so critical now is the opportunity is there to make these things happen, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it's like when the first family and medical leave bill, uh, Chris Dodd put that in every year, lost it every year, was vetoed by Bush. President Clinton comes to the fore, you know, signed the bill trying to get equal pay for equal work or the Fair Pay Act, Lilly Ledbetter. First bill, the President Obama signs, the Lilly Ledbetter, you know, uh, Fair Pay Act. So, uh, uh, this is, you know, elections have consequences and we're gonna march through the door on these, on these efforts that we've been trying to do for so many years. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to the Family Act, you along with a few colleagues have introduced the American Family Act, which seeks to expand the child tax credit. So what are the vital components of the bill and who was being left behind? And if passed, what changes would we see problems or what, what changes would we see to problems like child poverty? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the, the American Family Act, and, and this is a piece of legislation in the House uh, authored by myself and uh, Congresswoman Del Bene of, of Washington, uh, Washington State, and in the Senate uh, with uh, 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 Sherrod Brown and Michael Bennett. Uh, there is a child tax credit in place. So there's a structure in place for the child tax credit. And one of the, uh, one of the only sources of, of, of of uh, investment in children and in families and, the, and, their, and their economic wherewithal. You know, the United States is um, exceptional and admired in, in so many ways around the world. Uh, but in, in the, on the issue of ending childhood poverty, um, we are last in the world. That's not something that we have done. So, but the existence of the child tax rate, and you asked who was left behind, one third, of children with the current child tax credit are left behind. And they are mostly uh, black children and Latino kids. So why are they left behind? Their families make too little money in order to be able to participate. These are rural families, families of veterans, minimum wage families, and who are most of the minimum wage workers? Women. Uh, and families uh, where there's a large number of children. So what the Family Act has done is what we are going to do is we make it refundable. We capture that one third. So they will now be a, 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 a part of a child tax credit. We increase that $2,000 credit uh, 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 as, as for kids under six, we then provide $3,600 per child. For kids over six, six to 17, it's $3,000. Uh, 
So this is, it's just like a, a child allowance, which will, and, and I'll, I'll give you the statistics because that's what's critical. Over one half of black children will be lifted out of poverty. 40% of Hispanic kids, 61% of Native American kids, Asian uh, Americans, it's about 40%, white kids, about 40%. So we will be able to lift almost uh, 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 almost half of children out of poverty. It's like going back to the social security piece. It's a transformative piece of legislation that will lift millions of kids out of poverty. And we're there. You know, both of the issues that you have mentioned, you know, how many years ago, guys, where they said, yeah, this is, this only affects women. Uh, this is, uh, on the, it's, it was on the fringe. Now these issues, paid family and medical leave, child tax credit are the center of public discourse. And, and, and we are there. The president has put this in, uh, it was in his tax policy, and it's now in the first COVID relief package which is gonna pass in the next, at least in the house in the next uh, uh, a couple of weeks, so. That is very exciting and we are very optimistic. Yes. Um, switching gears, you are the newly appointed chair of the House Appropriations right. Committee. Mm -hmm. And for those listening to us who don't know, this is actually a job you sort of have to campaign for. Yes. And you campaigned on restoring earmarks, eliminating federal prohibition on abortion funding, and addressing disparities in federal funding for minority and disadvantaged communities. Can you explain to listeners what this means and what perspective you will bring to this incredibly powerful job? Sure. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm just so honored. Uh, really, it's, it's for me, you think about your career and you know, what What are the, the shining lights or the capstone, if you will, of being chair of the Appropriations uh, Committee? That's what it is for me. And aggress very quickly, anecdotally, when I first came to the Congress, I, I sat in a room for orientation and the person delivering the orientation session was Congressman David Olby from Wisconsin. And David was speaking about the budget and the appropriations process. And I was sitting at the end of the table. And I got to tell you guys, because I'd never run for political office before. I sit there and I don't know if your show will take this, but I said, holy, you know what? I <laughs> oh, you can so swear far. all you want, oh, you Congresswoman. Can, you can well, speak I said, your holy mind shit, here. <laughs> I am in so far over my head. What have I done? I, you know, I belong here, you know? And how will I ever be able to speak to a David Obi? Long and the short of it, he came, became my one of my best, best friends um, and started me on the trek. He said, you belong on the Appropriations Committee anyway. Um, but $1.4 trillion goes through the Appropriations Committee and the effect that it has on people's lives every single year. If we don't pass appropriations bills, the government shuts down. So the effect that it has on some of the efforts that that you, you um, mentioned, because within the subcommittee on labor, health, and human resources uh, is the issue of, uh, of the Hyde Amendment uh, and denying, and it's very discriminatory on being able to allow low-income women, and again, mostly women of color, are denied access to abortion just because they're low-income women. And it, it's really, it's a, a very discriminatory. And so uh, when we write the bill this year, uh, the, the labor HHS bill will be written without the Hyde Amendment uh, in, in it. And uh, do I think it, it's a slam dunk? No, 
We will have to, you know, fight for it. But we also, with appropriations, I am going to very much want to bring back, now they're called community-based projects or earmarks. We, we had them and they were very, very valuable. Were they abused by some? Yes, no question. But we are go going to build in the kinds of guardrails, safeguards, the financial certifications that say members of Congress or their spouses or children do not have any financial interest with those guardrails and working on that right now. So it's a work in progress to try to move forward on it. But the power of the appropriations bill is whether it is job training uh, and making that available, whether it is mental health services for people, whether it is Head Start, Pell Grants. Uh, what You know, you think of every aspect of, of your life. It, it is about conservation. It, it is about agriculture and food stamps and nutrition programs. Every aspect of our lives is contained within the 12 subcommittees of the appropriations bill. And again, some people don't know what it is about, you know, and we've got to learn, I will tell you, to talk about it in terms of its consequences on people's lives. It's not about, you know, it's two billion above the president's budget, one billion below. Who cares about that? It is what it means for opening the door to the services you and your family need. So uh, I am, I'm so excited about going forward with this. It's a, it's, it's a challenge, but, you know, Damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. <laughs> um, Congresswoman, uh, Congressman Obi was my parents' representative. He was my rep. Oh. He was my he was my rep growing up. I know he was really beloved in that in that neck of the woods. Um, mm -hmm. So we like to end our interviews here at Hysteria on a light note, and I have to say we love the purple streaks in your hair. And during COVID, did you have to learn to do it yourself? And what tips would you have for someone who is going to try out? <laughs> a new hair color during this well, pandemic? Well, first of all, do it. Do not be risk averse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> jump off the bridge, dive in the water, whatever it is. It is so much fun. You know, it's been several years. It was several years ago. And I said to my staff, I'm going to go and I'm going to have, I want to get a purple streak and so forth. Well, I thought that they were going to collapse. You know, what people are going to say and so forth. Well, you know, they love it as much as, as I do uh, now. No, during COVID, you know, when it grows out, it grows out to a, like a light violet color. Okay, this is more information than you wanted to know. <laughs> no, so this is what we want. We want all this. But people actually thought that then I just did it with a violet color. No, I was afraid to do it myself. I really was. <laughs> so I waited and waited and waited until I could, you know, could go and with mask, et cetera, uh, that it was acceptable then. The places were open and so forth. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm reminded, you know, everyone's mother is like this. You know, my mom, even my mom was 103 when she she passed away and and she was living with us and in her later years if i would go out of the house and she would just say do you really want to wear that you know, <laughs> you, know you, you know with this notion and um uh, and i knew what she meant you know god love her she didn't see my hair you know a purple I, I guess she did at the outset and she she would just say why do you want to have <laughs> I say it's fun. I love it. And I'm never going back to just the straight brown. <laughs> do you have a, do you have a choice for what color you'd go to next? Or are you going to stick with the purple? No, I, I like it. I very much do it often. Sometimes, you know, it comes out a little bit different. Sometimes it's more reddish and, and, and purple or 
Sometimes it's bluish, but no, I love purple. That's my color of, of, of choice. My campaign colors, when I first ran 30 years ago, everybody said you need to do red, white, and blue later for that. I love the flag. Don't, don't misunderstand me. <laughs> but it, my colors were red and purple. So hmm. it's, it's a favorite. Oh. So. Love that. I love that. Also, I've had approximately two sips of this cup of coffee and I feel like I have drank the entire thing after this like <laughs> energetic ready to go. and it's optimistic nice. interview. Thank you so much, Congresswoman Thank Delaro. Good, and good luck with everything. We're keeping an eye on what, what you guys are up to and Great. we're really excited. Please. And, and, you know, you're there, you're advocates for all of these, these, these great efforts that we can move forward on. And also, you know, Washington, the window is only open for a short period of time. So let's go. Okay. Thank let's you so go. much. Thank Wonderful you. being with you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I or, love that for Viore. Is that, you know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. <laughs> it is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> five the, stars no five, comment 100% great that's the type that's my favorite sport the new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit all things that are absolutely essential in a legging essential uh, I love these leggings they are because you know like not everybody's the same you know so mm -hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty so I size up a little bit, but then it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just, just pull that drawstring and exactly. I don't show, I don't show any crack when I bend over. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Yes won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to fiori.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Okay, welcome back. We have gotten to the part of the show where Alyssa and I are no longer alone. 
we are bringing in two wonderful other women who you've heard many times before. First up, she is a writer, comedian, performer, and queen of Illinois. Uh, just reading the copy I wrote for myself and pretending to be surprised. It's Tian Tran. How are you, Tian? Hello. Hello to all my subjects in Illinois. <laughs> I- <laughs> Good morning to Illinois and Good only morning to Illinois. Illinois. Um, really happy to be here. Thank you for having me today. Um, uh, I always ask you this, but like, cause I'm fascinated by weather. I think it's just something that happens if you were born in a place that has a lot of weather. Um, and now I live in a place where there's no weather. So what, what is the weather like there? Is it snowy? It's, it's really cold. It's really cold. We're getting that like polar vortex drifting down from like Chicago area. So it's snowy. Um, haven't left my house in several days. It's feeling not great. Um, and <laughs> so it's pretty, pretty, pretty cold and snowy out here. Are you do? are you like learning how to do cool, like inside tricks, like, do, like running up a wall and doing a flip or gosh, I, w- yeah, you know, actually I will start doing some like one bedroom parkour and I'll send you <laughs> some of those videos. <laughs> great. Great. Love this. Let's pitch it. Um, Okay. Next, I want to bring on a special guest. Uh, Fans of Crooked Media know her and love her. She is the host of Crooked Media's What a Day and a new dog mom. It's Akilah Hughes. (laughs) Hi. Thank you so much for having me again. We're so glad that you could be here today. First of all, the the million-dollar question, how is your dog, Fauci? Yeah, Dr. Fauci is great. He is really adjusting. (laughs) His his real name is Dr. Star Fox Fauci. He's great. He is uh, currently eating what looks like part of a carpet, but not my carpet. So (laughs) that's fine. Whatever. A carpet. Who knows where it's from? Um, (laughs) So he's, he's adjusting well. You're adjusting well. Yeah, I mean, so he came from Korea uh, last week, so he was jet-lagged for the first few days, definitely had some indigestion, wasn't entirely trusting, didn't speak any of the language, but now we've got a few few words that we can communicate to each other. Um, I've learned his wines, and yeah, he's just, uh, he's mostly like um, self-entertained. He doesn't need me. He's he's over here destroying this anti-anxiety dog that I got him that's supposed to have a heartbeat, and he's like tearing it to shreds. I'm like, okay, <laughs> guess not. Guess that's not your friend. <laughs> that's how dogs show love, by yeah. tearing you to shreds. Yeah, it's, ripping the Velcro open and eating the heart out. Right, it's, it's part of their lupine instincts. They mm-hmm. did descend from wolves. Um, yes. Okay, speaking of wolves, guys, you're going to be impressed with this segue. Speaking of wolves, wow. uh, this week a lot of people are talking about the Britney Spears documentary uh, from FX and the New York Times and the wolf-like manner in which the media treated Britney Spears uh, and all women, really, in the Y2K area to 2010. So I wanted to start the conversation a little bit by talking about that. Alyssa, you just saw the Britney, uh, Framing Britney documentary just this week. So tell me what your original thoughts were on it. Okay, so as someone who is the oldest person in this Brady Bunch setup we have here by (laughs) at least seven, eight years. Um, I was at a different stage of life when all this happened. And my roommate, who is also exactly my age, was the biggest Britney Spears fan you could possibly imagine. So when all of this was going down, there was always outrage in our one bedroom (laughs) shared by four people um, about who was doing Britney dirty, uh, especially 
Justin Timberlake. But I found that it's the same things that we look back on and it's it's referenced in the documentary that even if we were aware of like what was happening to her was bad, we saw it through probably a different lens, which wasn't didn't also include the complicity of people like Diane Sawyer, girl. Know, like, oh no. my God, her interview with Britney. I mean, I honestly didn't expect much better of Matt Lauer at this point in my life, but like the way that people talked to her and when you see too that she came into her fame during the era of boy bands, there is so much to compare her treatment to. Yeah. And mm. so uh, one, I have to be honest, until this all came up, I didn't realize that the conservatorship uh, was still so like large and in charge. And so I was, I'm not going to lie. I did not look at my phone while I watched this. I was totally taken and I couldn't believe. Uh, also, one of the interesting things when I went to Twitter afterwards, because I'd been trying to avoid Twitter so that I had my own experience when I watched it, um, was how much when you really think about it, what is happening now was a grassroots organized movement by her fans to bring this to light. Yeah. And so I just, I think after watching it, I just hope that something comes of it. Like mm-hmm. free Britney people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was a really fucked up time. The nineties were super fu- Like I was a very impressionable, you know, during that time I graduated from high school in 2001. So I was like, the same age as all of the people that this was happening to. Tian, I know that you were like growing up during this time too. Do you think that witnessing, I mean, maybe not at the time we didn't realize this because we were teenagers and we, you know, teenagers aren't the most introspective people in the world. But I mean, (laughs) I'm I'm just kidding. I would say, I would say, I would say like self-centered, but maybe not introspective. And that's something you grow into. That's Mm -hmm. totally fine. Um, Do you think that maybe witnessing the way that the media treated young women during that time, like, fucked with us a little? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing from that era of, like, Britney Spears, and for me, when I think of Britney, I think a lot of people think of Christina, too, because they were always pit against each other as, like, one was the perfect example of what a, like, a teen bop, star, pop star, pop star should have been like, (laughs) and like Christina was slut shamed. They were both slut shamed. And I think the biggest thing that I regret from like my middle school and high school years was how much I also participated and was complicit in slut shaming my peers. And I think so much of that is from the media talking about the sexuality of these two young women all the time, that they were too sexy, that they weren't sexy enough, that like if they were sexy, sexy, they were being slutty. Like that informed so much of how I, one, presented myself thinking that I like didn't want to do that and also was judgmental and critical of other young women who wanted to like be a little more like wear less clothes. And I thought it was so scandalous and slutty. And like, I feel so terrible that I thought that, but it was totally the, like how, what the conversation was about women at that time. And still, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it seems kind of beyond the pale that like adults were not able to adults who worked in the media, who still have respectable jobs in the media, like Mm -hmm. Lester Holt makes an appearance in the documentary talking about 
Brittany. And it's like the only person that talks any sense in it is Michael Moore and like Craig Ferguson. Michael Moore is like, please leave her alone. Like, and and it's just (laughs) like, why are we harassing? He stops Anderson Cooper in his tracks. Yeah. Anderson Cooper sort of got the, his eyes enlarged. Um, but Akila, I wanted to ask you like kind of going off what Tien said, do you think that the way that the media talked about sexuality of people like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that it impacted our collective sense of what love is and the way that we're supposed to approach relationships, especially as women? Yeah, but maybe not exactly in the way that, um, I don't know that I, I think maybe we, this conversation was headed. It's I think that I was deeply influenced by how sexy they were. I was like, these are the cool girls. And like this, the pants were, you know, so low and they, so had, you just like, ignored like the Lowers and the Dianes. You were like, well, Nope, I'm I doing mean, that. I was angry about them. Right. Mm. But I think that I was personally super just like, well, th- that's a hot girl. Like that's who I want to be. Like that's the cool girl at my high school. So like, they're okay. They're not getting laid. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, that was sort of where my brain was. But I do think that that also meant that like when I was really young, like 13 or 14, I was like, why am I like fat? Why don't I have a body like a, you know, 26 year old? Why don't I like have these curves? Why is my, why will I never have abs? Like I had this sort of unrealistic idea of what it was. And so I kind of believed that like, oh, well, if, if they're the ones who are having sex and that's what they look like, well, then I'm never going to have sex. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I just thought honestly, like, oh, uh, ugly people don't have sex. Like that was just like a thing that was running in my head. TV really like, you know, played that up. And I feel like, you know, what's super damning about this documentary, which, you know, full disclosure, I have not seen, but from the discourse around it is that like, you have these two competing ideas where it's like women are supposed to be sexy and there's like a huge uh, capitalistic like boon to that, right? Like all of the pants were the same. All of the tops were the same. Mm-hmm. All of the hair products and crimpers and everything. Like we bought in and then we were told that that was bad. And so it kind of like gave me this double-edged sort of like, wow, there's nothing you can do as a woman to be <laughs> respected or liked. But also I'm like, all of this is impossible. Like, <laughs> I'm never going to be good enough to be the thing that everybody hates because they hate it anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of how I would feel when I looked at, like, Abercrombie and Fitch ads in the late 90s. And it yeah. would be, like, these wayfish, beautiful, like, Scandinavian-looking women. And, like, these guys who I didn't realize until I was, like, in my mid-20s in retrospect, probably were gay. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, <laughs> bitch, right. hairless smooth as a seal mm-hmm. torsoed men that, that were allegedly their like boyfriends or lovers or whatever. And like Akila, I, and they were all like in a cabin having an orgy. That was like the, the, the implication. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, like it was all the, I'm a slave for you music video. Right. But with flannel in, in a, like in a fireplace instead of like the sweaty, like with that club. very specific cologne scent that smelled so good. Oh yeah. I mean, wait, are we talking about the Abercrombie one? Because, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm traumatized. I feel like every mall I go into still has it baked in. Like, it's like when people have a cat and you haven't met the cat, but you know they have a cat. Yeah. <laughs> That's how the mall is with I mean, my mom, I mean, shout out to my mom. She bought that cologne. She was just like, I just like, sometimes we're just like, 
in the house. She was like, I <laughs> She's like, all my best memories happened at this afternoon. <laughs> and I just want to bring a little She's bit like, of She's like, I home. like it. I like it a lot. Just a little bit at home, in the kitchen, in the living room, just this little spritz. Yeah, I just want to think about these uh, layered tanks. <laughs> I'm going to wear Those layered tanks were really good. They, they were. were. Remember they were. the, they, I just had to get mine in like an XL. I mean, yeah, I was always like getting the ones that my friends were like, I don't want it anymore. They have new colors. And I'm like, great, I'll take the navy blue one. <laughs> I remember that there was like an era, there was like two years where people were wearing tube tops with a sweat, a twin set that consisted of a knit tube top yeah. and a matching cardigan that went over it. Yeah. Yes. What the hell? That was that damaged me more than anything from the nineties. Oh, yeah. like, um, it has, like, you know, I wear cardigans, but like I do have like a, a visceral reaction every time I make that decision. I'm like, yeah, yuck. Yeah, yeah. It's like the nineties mall feeling all comes rushing back. But you know, the the idea that like you earn the right to be loved by being sexy enough in accordance with what the media is feeding you, but also punishing at the same time. Um, it kind of you know brings us to our our kind of topical day you know that's coming up which is valentine's day which is another thing that's been deeply influenced by capitalist forces and it's been bent out of shape so many times that like what does it even mean anymore so Alyssa, i want to start with you uh what do you think about valentine's day and the kind of commodification of love and romance in general i mean Look, if I'm just being honest, which is my place on this show, this is what I'm supposed to do. I fucking love Valentine's Day. I love <laughs> really? It. I love it so Whoa. much. I love it so much. I, because here's the thing I have always celebrated Valentine's Day. Rick, I don't give a shit if I'm married. Do I have a boyfriend? No, I always do something nice for myself. And it started, which it's funny because I raised this with my dad and he had no memory. But when he used to work at IBM, uh, they would sell carnations on Valentine's Day and you could like bring carnation home. And so I'd always get my carnation and it would live for like five weeks because that's what carnations do. <laughs> and ever since then, it's like, I don't care. I just look, I have my hearts on today. You can see my hearts. Cute. I love things with hearts. I like heart shaped things. <laughs> I like red. Um, <laughs> I like flowers. Yeah, like, Russell yes. Stover. Do you know the one of the greatest colleagues I ever had in my whole life, Nancy Ashbrook? I hope you're listening. Because mm-hmm. we talked about how we loved Valentine's Day, and she bought me like a life-size Russell Stover. Life of like a person? I ate most of it. <laughs> Wait, like I, it was what it is, was like four what is feet. That? Like what was it shaped Russell like? Russell Stover? Yeah. It was it was a square. It okay. wasn't a heart. Okay. It was a rectangle. Oh yeah, got it. And so it was I like was all just the like, flavors. I love Russell Stover oh, caramels. Oh, 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 oh. I don't want well, I mean, I love caramels. Some of the other ones are like a little like the strawberry fluffy yeah, one to me you. is like that gross. That weird like white right? one with the pink. No. I'm like, what no. is it bleeding? It's like not coconut because you, you, then you taste the coconut one and you're like, oh, that white one was not coconut. Yeah, like I don't no. know what that was. I do just like I take a bite. I don't like it. I put it back. So anyway, I love it. I'm, I'm a commercial nightmare, but I love, I love, I am... I'm Jane America. All right. I fucking love Alan. <laughs> you know, there's that, that famous movie line. Life is like, like a box, box of chocolates. I think life is like a box of chocolates in that a lot of it is bad. <laughs> yeah. Most of what I, you're tasting, you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, what, are, what is happening to me right now? What is in my yeah. mouth? <laughs> Who chose these flavors? <laughs> like there's a pineapple one. Who what? in their right mind? Who would want a pineapple chocolate? No, I don't. 
I, you know what? I bet in Hawaii they figured out a way to make it good. Yeah. They've probably figured <laughs> I bet that's I true. bet it's very good. <laughs> you know? All right. Well, you guys I think- just reminded me I need to buy myself my Brussels Stovers. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Yeah, take a note. I didn't Write that down was, in your notes. I didn't know it was like a branded. Now I got to look it up because I like. It's like at every CVS and Walgreens. There's okay. no world yeah, we've ever seen. It used to be. Like they don't have them much anymore, but the Hallmark stores yes. would always have special okay. Russell Stover selections for the holidays. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, man, maybe I, I just wasn't looking at the brand. Now I know. Okay, <laughs> you can't miss that cursive. No. <laughs> Russell Stover. It's it's one of those things that you don't. It's sort of like is is like the wallpaper of existence that you don't notice it unless you stop to look at it. Like how the D in Disney looks like a G for a long oh, time. Yeah. You're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's a D. That's a D. That's weird. He made his yeah. D's weird. Um, yeah. Tian, same question for you. What are your thoughts on Valentine's Day? And like, have you figured out a way to, like Alyssa has, jujitsu it into something that is fun for you? Or is it something that causes you uh, trepidation? I mean, I feel like I've gone through a whole range of emotions throughout my life with Valentine's Day. In grade school, I loved it because I was like, this is great. I'm going to get like little soccer cards and hand them (laughs) out to all my friends and have a little lollipop next to it. And I loved getting those from people as well. And I thought that was really, really fun. Um, Although I have noticed that people have different Valentine's Day cards for their kids to hand out to boy cards and girl cards, which yeah. I think is so obnoxious. It's weird, yeah. It's no weird thanks. that you're gendering these cards, but I digress. Um, yeah, like they're not literal Valentines. Yeah, they're not like they're actually not Valentine's. These are just friends. Like These are pieces nobody, of paper. Nobody's going to marry each other from these tiny cards. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like... In college, it was fun because I was with my friends all the time. And then after college, uh, my first girlfriend, we had like a very nice Valentine's Day. But in that period where I was single, I thought Valentine's Day sucked. And now I'm in that place where like my partner and I, every day is Valentine's Day. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) I bought him. (laughs) Well, I I, I think I have that. Like, I would like to do something special this year just because it's like any reason to do anything is what I need right now. Um, but I really, my favorite Valentine's day was my very first one with my partner. And we each gave each other like a real demented Valentine's day. I gave her a bouquet of cut up baby doll arms that I bought from. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa's face. That's extreme. That's extreme. (laughs) You Um, lost me. I was on board for the Abercrombie scene. We were all like, and? And then you said it. We're like, oh. Baby arms that you procured. That I bought from CVS. Just a bunch of baby arms. I have a picture of it. Happy to share it with you. And like, I am a very big meat eater, so I apologize for sharing this, but for all the vegans listening. But she got me a little box of pig feet. And I thought that was so perfect. We were perfect for each other. <laughs> okay, well now I feel like I'm- I co-sign that. You yeah. are perfect for yeah, each other. and I think that that's great. You know, like you all found the other half. <laughs> you found what we're it. all looking for. <laughs> I feel, I mean, I loved it. It was perfect. So to me, Valentine's Day is just finding your other half who understands you. Maybe it's a box of chocolates or- you know, baby doll arms cut up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the Valentine, you know, the old Valentine saying goes, you are the pig feet to my baby doll arms. <laughs> I just need. And if there isn't a card that says that there should be. Yeah. Okay, maybe well you sh- 
now there will be because I think Tiana is <laughs> probably going to make that. Uh, Akila, how do you typically celebrate Valentine's Day? And, and like, do you, if you're partnered or not, does that make a difference? And like, if you're not partnered, do you just kind of let the day go by? <laughs> so I just have to sigh because you're like, how do you usually celebrate it? I'm like, alone. super alone I think I've had one technical valentine like we were together at the time later on he turned out to be gay (laughs) so even in hindsight it wasn't really a valentine he also didn't go to my school so it was like you know, easy enough to send a card and still be straight from a distance. Um, you know, I just, I, I hate Valentine's Day. I don't hate it. I like, you know, like, listen, I like flowers. I like getting myself flowers. I like eating chocolate. You know, I, I go kind of all out on the baking and things. And I have this little red Dutch oven that I like to make a soup in. So you open it thinking it's going to be like, oh, it's holding mm. cookies or something. And it's not. It's a soup. But I think, <laughs> like, I... You know, it does matter to me if I'm partnered or not, because I'm a person who really likes to celebrate holidays. Like I had a leap day party, which I believe some of you were at. <laughs> I was there. It was the last party I went to before party. lockdown. <laughs> yes. Oh, so I, I would will... go to that. Oh, it was fly. I, I think I maybe invited you on Facebook, but who uses Facebook? So, <laughs> you know, um, it I just I would love to celebrate and have someone else to celebrate with and like coordinate gifts and all of that stuff. And so not having that is pretty frustrating. But I will say, like, I didn't enjoy it until I was an adult who had like the money to enjoy celebrating it. Mm-hmm. Because like as a kid, we would always get these. Um, there's a do you know the restaurant franchise Big Boy? <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. So, um, oh, yes, they, yes. Yeah, so in Cincinnati, it's Frisch's Big Boy. I think that they have different names. But Frisch's Big Boy has their own um, Valentine cards that you can get, like a little folded thing, and they have coupons. So everybody's like, yay, like my kid got these at school from this weird girl, and now we can get like (laughs) free grilled cheese or something, whatever. (laughs) And I remember like that was always fine until fourth grade when I like kept not getting, like we were all supposed to get Valentine's from each other. And I kept not getting them. Like my little envelope at the front of my desk was just like lighter than everyone else's. And I'm like, it's the racism. (laughs) Everybody in my school's white. They don't want to give me a Valentine. It's totally chill. So I think that like, you know, now as an adult, I'm like, oh, we're going to black it up. (laughs) Dark chocolate only. (laughs) We're going to watch Love and Basketball. (laughs) That's uh, that's how I celebrate. I just uh, I buy myself all the Valentine's things and pretend I'm in love, but I'm not. You know, Valentine's Day, though, if you try to do stuff for it, you try to go out for it, kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, it's sort of... Oh, I, that's terrible. Yeah, that's yeah. terrible. Like, around people. The, I mean, <laughs> right? Like, one good thing about one one tiny, tiny silver lining about pandemic times is, like, there is no going out on Valentine's Day. It is just not an option. And the people who are going out are going out and going to be around the worst people in America. Yes. So why would you, why would you do it? There's no reason to. It just... It just seems like a day when uh, people, it's like amateur hour. It's kind of like New Year's Eve. Like everybody swarms restaurants because they feel like they have to do something special for the day. And, you know, honestly, I've had Valentine's Days where I've been like taken out to a nice restaurant and it's always like less good than it would be if you went out any other day mm-hmm. of the year. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, uh, day before or after. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like consider it a season. You know, this is the Valentine's, <laughs> we're doing Valentine's Day on the 15th or we're doing Valentine's Day on the 13th. That used to be like sort of what I would try to push for. And, you know, it's it's like, it is nice to have a day where you set something aside, especially like during pandemic. And I hope Josh doesn't listen to this before Friday. Um, but this year, the romantic thing I'm doing is I'm buying him 
pizzas from his favorite pizza place in Pittsburgh and having them shipped to California. Okay, that's so nice. all, that's that awesome. is so nice. That's, that's really so nice. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Tell them to cut it in a sh- tell them to do it in the shape of a heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or a baby arm. <laughs> a or baby, baby arm. <laughs> Just a little fist. Just a tiny fist pizza. <laughs> a tiny fist yeah. pizza. Look, imagine like being the person working at the pizza place. It's called Minio's in Pittsburgh and it is good. I've had it before um, a couple times. And it's like, but imagine person at Minio's being like, hello, you want it shaped like a baby fist? That. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> You're like, what's yeah. the difference between that and a regular fist? You're like, no knuckle hair. No. <laughs> no knuckle hair. I want it smooth. I, I want, want dimples. Like a baby. And I very dimples. tiny fingernails. Yeah, like the, the littlest tiniest. <laughs> made out of pepperoni. <laughs> um, one thing I was I was thinking about as I was doing like research for this episode is like marriage rates, because one of my favorite pandemic activities, which I think might be a sign of my mental decline, is that I love Reddit boards about people trying to have weddings. It is like, it gives me so, it's so interesting to me in like a voyeuristic way because weddings bring out the absolute worst in people. It's like, uh, I, I used to have a boss that told me if you get famous before you're 30, the fame might turn you into an asshole. But if you get famous after you're 30 or rich after you're 30, and then you become an asshole, you were always good. You were always an asshole. I think weddings are the same thing. Like if you have a wedding and you're planning it and you become an asshole, you were always kind of an asshole. Um, but that being said, <laughs> marriage rates in the U.S. have dropped to an all-time low. Huh. And uh, that is even with the legalization of, uh, of same-sex marriages. Um, why do you think that that is? Like, is romance dead or are people just choosing to commemorate their unions in a different way? Is there a rate on, did they have any sort of data on love? You know, like, (laughs) you know, where's the love data on that? Because I I think it's like, I think maybe marriage rates have dropped just because I think we have a, for me, I I have a very different idea of what marriage was or marriage is. Um, And I think people are commemorating their love in very different ways. Can you expand on that? What do you think? What did you think it was and what? Like what, what is it to you versus what you thought it was? I mean, I was saving myself for the perfect man and (laughs) that is simply not what happened. I mean, it's just Um, not possible. You said perfect man. (laughs) 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 Impossible on so many different levels. Um, I really, I I think, I mean, I think marriage is so ingrained in us in in such a way that like in my tiny childhood brain, I feel like I've talked about this before, like all I saw around me was cup like my older my parents Vietnamese couples and I was like oh the only other like Vietnamese boy that I know that's my age is my cousin so I think I'm gonna have to marry my cousin like I, <laughs> <laughs> like all these things that we're trying to normal like I just you know extrapolate from seeing but yeah I thought that I had to you know marry the perfect man Prince Charming and and now I don't think that's the case and I feel like for me like partnership is really about being on the same page and communicating all the time. And I don't think that like a piece of paper really, personally, I don't think a piece of paper changes that. And I think sometimes people strive for that sort of government stamp in a way that maybe their relationship isn't ready for. So I think marriage rates to me isn't indicative of how people are handling their relationship these days. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Alyssa, what's, what are your thoughts on that? 
I think, so I actually, being here in upstate New York, it's actually much more open-minded than it was all the years down in the city. I have tons of friends here who are partners. They are not married. They have been together for 15 or 20 years. They're just like, I've got a job. I mean, let's be honest, you guys. Like, So much of what getting, in quotes, married is, is literally like, Fucking health insurance, (laughs) you know, like taxes, Mm -hmm. tax breaks if you get married. And so I think that the more people realize that maybe those benefits aren't as much or the more that we, I mean, I think it's interesting to see the more that we make some social services like fucking healthcare (laughs) available to people, the less pressure people feel to get married. Like maybe the more we set society up so that women make closer to a dollar for a dollar that men do, they feel less pressure to have to get married. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like for me growing up, I just, you know, my mom, like, I wouldn't say that my parents were fanciful. <laughs> you know, they were very pragmatic. But my mom was like, do whatever you want. You know, do what you want. It doesn't, whatever you want to do, do what you want to do. So I always thought to myself, I'm going to end up with a kid, but I'm never getting married. And then I ended up married without a kid. You never fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Got to be open-minded, you guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, Akila, I would love to hear you speak to uh, something Alyssa brought up, which is that, like, the more independent and the more capable women are of supporting themselves. It seems like that's positively correlated with them not wanting to get married. Um, as somebody who is and has been living independently and is doing pretty well. (laughs) I mean, you know, let's qualify. (laughs) I mean, I consider, you know, I consider a person like living alone in a city like LA or like supporting themselves in a city like New York, which I did and you did also like that's hard you know that's that's hard but that also you know you have a different attitude about independence I think I do at least so you know how does your 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 like life of having demonstrated your capability of being independent influence your idea about marriage yeah well I mean I think that like I think everyone's been touching on this but I think that like partnership is so important like when I think about marriage, it is all utility in a way. Like there's romance, obviously, like, you know, like I would like to be in love with somebody, but I think that like, it's really just like, okay, I have all this stuff I'm trying to do by myself. Wouldn't it be great if like we could share some burdens? Like <laughs> it would be really wonderful. It's part of the reason why I'm like living with roommates is so annoying. Is it like, oh, they have no duty to me. <laughs> we don't respect <laughs> each other. <laughs> He's not going to do the dishes. <laughs> like, Akila, you should have lived with me as a roommate. I have a chore wheel where everyone gets assigned a different chore. This is what I have mean. to achieve. I'm just like, how do yeah. we not have a concept of common space and private space? like make your room dirty don't make the living room it's a whole thing but I think that you know we are growing up in this well we are I I feel like we all grew up as um as women got more and more power and also like because the internet we kind of saw people who like followed the track of getting married really young like I'm from Kentucky so at my high school reunion there were like 10 year old children (laughs) at the high school reunion like it was immediate and so like seeing them be like publicly, you know, so like, oh, this is great and everything's wonderful. And then like inevitably all of them divorcing and being like, I regret Mm -hmm. that I didn't have my 20s and all this other stuff, I think put into perspective. Well, also that you can freeze eggs. So like sort of like scheduled and easily now, like everything (laughs) has moved to this place where I'm like, well, I'm not going to rush into something with someone I'm not sure about or something for the sake of anything else, because I've proven to myself that I can survive without it. Um, And also, like, you know, there's a lot of studies and 
statistics about how many women are graduating from college and mm-hmm. men. So it's like, are we even evenly matched when it comes to heterosexual relationships? It just think that like we're living through a weird time where I'm like, why would I, a person who's making her own money, get with someone who has no clue what they're doing, <laughs> who will inevitably <laughs> take all of my money? Like, I, I feel like I'm Love like a rapper in a rap song. I'm like, sign a prenup. <laughs> get away from me. You're using me. But yeah, so I don't know. I, I have never had major pressure to do it. I also like come from a family of like a single parent who was just like happy if you do get married, but was never like marriage is the be all end all. And so I think I'm a little relaxed about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was interesting to read about the marriage stats and the way that different publications framed it. Like Heritage Foundation was like people running around with their hair on fire. Ah, (laughs) women aren't aren't dependent on men anymore. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. We need it. We need the patriarchy. Or else, uh, <laughs> what are these ladies going to do? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't oh my know. God, they're building buildings, but they're rounder and more like women. <laughs> buildings that look like boobs? Um, I, I think that that like, brings us to a, a, a logical end to this conversation, although we could probably talk about it all Why? day. Yeah, like what was logical about I know. that? It was the round buildings. It was the round the buildings that really, really it cracked it. Um, so I just want to end this with a, uh, an open question. We mentioned, Tian, you mentioned the tiny little cards and Akila mentioned the tiny little cards that we used to hand out in elementary school. Um, do you remember like your favorite, like little Valentine that you ever got or, uh, gave? I do. Uh, okay. What did it, what was it like? It was Tom and Jerry, man. Oh, cute. Oh, yes, cute. the Tom and Jerry cards. I remember. I think it was like big. I, I mean, I got it from several people. Oh, nice. But I just remember it vividly. <laughs> I I don't remember. I don't know if it's my favorite, but like the one that I remember the most was when I had my my fifth grade boyfriend loved hockey. So I got a little chocolate bear and I stuffed like a cool, like I think it was like Brett Hull's rookie card into Whoa. it and gave it to him. And now looking back, I was like, this was just an exchange between like a lesbian and her beard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Um, um, I had like Looney Tunes ones and I remember, this isn't my favorite, but it's the one I remember the most. One of them was Daffy Duck and it said, Valentine, you're despicable. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Great. Lovely. And I remember separating, hilarious. I awesome. separated those out because I always would like create a hierarchy everything I did as a child was imbued with meaning I created like a hierarchy of the valentines and I like punched them all out and I stacked up the ones I liked the best and I would give those to the people I liked the best and then the ones I liked the least Mm -hmm. definitely was your despicable (laughs) and I gave your but I didn't know what despicable meant and now I'm you know vindicated by knowing what the word means but I I just didn't like the I didn't like the um, it wasn't as brightly colored it wasn't as like you know, the scene on it wasn't as cool. It was just Daffy Duck, you know, not being that that interesting. And so I gave that to the people I liked the least. And um, yeah, that's that's my memory of those little Valentines. Damn, <laughs> solid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, 
I got to say, for me, uh, it was the year, I think the Space Jam came out like christmas e time. Maybe Whoa. it was Thanksgiving, but it was that next Valentine's Day. I mean, I was rocking every Toon Squad piece of memorabilia. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, we're getting the Monstar Valentine's. And they were like, you know, great and stupid and had like characters that were like very lesser. Like clearly they weren't going to put Tweety. Like the IP was just a little too high. <laughs> so they're like, here's Monster number seven from the blue guy you know like nothing Um, and I've loved those but the best one I ever got was in kindergarten from this kid Justin Young I'll never forget his mom made him make these little baskets and I don't they were like woven they were really cute and inside like he gave me one that was like white with red trim and then there was like a green jewel on the top and then there was just like one little perfect candy in there and I just remember being like a special treasure. Oh. <laughs> he made this for me. We all got them. We're like, I like mine the best. Like, I think I had a crush on him the rest of elementary school because of his mother's wow. obsession with Valentine's Day. Oh, my gosh. I'll let that be a warning or a tip to all mothers <laughs> and fathers of young kindergartners that you can win the hearts of the entire rest of the kindergarten class if you only put a jewel on the Valentine. Yeah. Bring in some zebra cakes. That's always a good touch, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a Swiss cake rolls girl myself. Oh, yeah. I would, like, mm. peel the chocolate off and then unroll it and eat it in segments. It was, like, that like is, I said. Yes, that is so good. Yeah. Im- Sorry, just with had to meaning. affirm you. Everything imbued with meaning. Okay, let's take a quick break, Valentine's. Roses are red, violets are blue. Now we have to take a break, but soon back to you. Uh, and when we come back, that was totally on the fly. And when we come back, we're going to do a special Valentine's Sanity Corner. Stick around. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Welcome back. We've almost reached the end of the show, but before we get to Sanity Corner, a little bit of housekeeping. So there's something happening right now in the Crooked Media Store. I mean, there's stuff happening all over the place, but specifically I'm talking about what's happening in the Crooked Media Store. There is a President's Day weekend only sale of 15% off site-wide in the Crooked Store. We've added new styles to the sales section, and um, there's also some new Hysteria merch, uh, new-ish Hysteria merch. It's been out for maybe a month. Um, got long-sleeved T-shirts, got long-sleeved sweatshirts, and neither of them are cropped. So if you're not a fan of cropped stuff, we've got you. All right, you can just head to crooked.com slash store now to shop, and this promotion ends on Monday, February 15th, so you better hurry. Okay, house has been kept. On to Sanity Corner. Um, I will start this week. Um, First, I want to say uh, one joy of the pandemic has been revisiting pop culture that I really like, but that is maybe older. And um, this week, Mary Wilson, the co-founder of The Supremes, died at age 76, uh, which is, you know, sad. It would have been nice if she could have been around for longer. But her death reminded me of how much Motown girl group music fucking rocks. The Supremes are awesome. The Ronettes, 
are incredible. Fire. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. if you want to bring your mood up from like a two to an eight within 15 minutes, just go on Spotify and search for 60s Motown girl groups and you will be just filled with effervescent delight. Um, my Sanity Corner this week, girl group playlist from the 1960s, specifically the Supremes and the Ronettes. Um, incredible mood lifter. So that's mine. Um, Tian, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, my Sanity Corner this week is uh, to suggest that you watch some Michaela Cole stuff because she was absolutely robbed. 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 I'm going to be your hype man. Robbed. Snubbed. 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 <laughs> <laughs> overlooked. Overlooked. Literally made the best show, I think, personally, of like the last decade. I think it's an incredible show. Um, I May Destroy You. Um, but also, I know that's a heavy watch. Chewing Gum, her other show, was just released on HBO Max, and that was on Netflix before, and it was taken off, but that show was her first, and it is so funny and so smart and just hilarious, so that if you're looking for something um, this weekend for Sanity Corner, maybe watch that. Maybe watch that while you're celebrating Lunar New Year. Check out that segue. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Happy Lunar New Year to all my peeps out there. I'll just say it in Vietnamese. For any Vietnamese listeners out there, Chuk Mung Nam Mai. Oh, oh, I love that. That was beautiful. I love that. That sounds very pretty. Um, And I don't (laughs) think that if I I were asked to replicate that sound, I couldn't do it because my brain is broken and cannot... (laughs) It's honestly my favorite part of the year because then I make my partner do it to my parents and it, she just sounds like a baby who's learning how to speak <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> love her. Wait, love her for doing it. What? In high school, we were we learned many cultures in my very white school. And anyway, they taught us how to say Happy Lunar New Year in Chinese. So, Huang Hi Fat Choi. Yes! <laughs> Go on. <laughs> That's incredible memory, Alyssa. That's Do great. You, you guys, uh, if I could unload half the shit in my brain, I'd know where my keys <laughs> were. <laughs> oh, I wish there was just a thumb drive where you could just like download the stuff like that you don't, you definitely aren't going to use on a daily basis. And then you could just <laughs> Tian, how are you celebrating besides making your partner talk to baby Vietnamese. Um, well, first we're going to send be sending red envelopes to our nieces and nephews. That's tradition uh, to send good luck is you send like a little red envelope with money in it, but they have to wish you a happy new year, which they haven't done yet. So waiting for that. Um, and then I'm also maybe just going to buy a bunch of dumplings. There's a company Yum. in Seattle that is shipping soup dumplings everywhere. And I think I might get a ton of soup dumplings and make egg rolls as well. Homemade, some homemade egg rolls and dumplings and just eat all day. Oh, I'm hungry. That sounds so good. <laughs> that sounds so good. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun, um, like a, something fun to like yeah. do during the pandemic and also like cool way to reach out to your family and stuff. So that sounds really fun. Um, Alyssa, what is your sanity corner this week? My sanity corner is rewatching Wanda Sykes standups because here's the thing. One of her funniest standups ever this is, and I'm, ta- I am saying this, you know, I am very open about my whiteness, you guys, and very aware of my whiteness. And so when her stand-up, I'ma Be Me, came out in 2009, we actually watched it on Air Force One when it came out. Wow. And everyone's crying, laughing. And I was the only white person in the conference room watching it. And I remember laughing at a joke 
And one of my colleagues was like, that's not for you. <laughs> and so the funniest memory of the whole of the whole adventure, one is how funny it is. But then it's me being like, can I laugh at that? And they were like, that one you can laugh at. And I was like, OK, thank you. <laughs> so uh, I remember the joy that it brought me watching it. And so we have in our house only had one television for ever. And we finally got two. And one of them is in a private room that doesn't have other things I should be doing. So I just sat down, put my feet up and just enjoyed the shit out of it. And she is so funny <sighs> that I would just tell everyone, go rewatch I'm Be Me. It's as valid and, and important as ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. I love that you, I mean, so awesome to be like, you know, just on Air Force One, just watching stand <laughs> Casually sitting on Air Force Casually. One, watching uh, the new drop. From Incredible. <laughs> so cool. No, it's so cool. I think it's the coolest thing. I ever. think it's the coolest thing. That sounds awesome. Akilah, what's fun. your what's your sanity corner this week? So my sanity corner, uh, sort of similar. It's like going back to the hits. Um, so I've been enjoying, I think, more like early 90s or late 80s sort of you know, comedy things. And one good one for the weekend for Black History Month is um, Bebe's Kids. <laughs> it's a cartoon movie that is, uh, I think, informed so much of the comedy that I like. But it is, uh, the cliff notes is it's a, a stand-up comedian uh, cartoon that's like a feature-length film about a guy who wants to date this woman, uh, Bebe, but she insists that he takes the kids to the amusement park and they are all over the place. They don't die, they multiply. And so uh, it is so excellent. If you've never seen it, I think it's like a dollar on Amazon. Okay, um, I was just going to ask. It is excellent. Like, I've probably seen that movie as many times as I've seen Titanic. Like, it's just like, it's up there for me. Uh, So yeah, just, you know, invest in Bebe's kids. (laughs) See what it was about. How many times have you watched Titanic? Now I'm curious. I watch it every Christmas. (laughs) So at least as many. Yeah, it's so long. (laughs) Me too. And sometimes several times on Christmas because it's so long that the day just, like, or Christmas Eve. And it it came out at Christmas, didn't it? Yeah, on, on, Mm -hmm. I think the VHS did. And so, like, I remember we got it as, like, a gift and we were too young to be watching it. But I was like, oh, this is the longest movie ever. If we watch it three times on Christmas Eve, it'll be tomorrow. It'll be Christmas. <laughs> so that was, that's been my only ritual. <laughs> yeah, so Baby's Kids is up there. I've seen it oh at gosh. least once a year since childhood. I just had a, like a flood of memories back. I remember seeing previews for it on TV and it was a cartoon. <laughs> and so I was like, I can, see, I want to go watch that new cartoon. And my parents are like, that cartoon is for grownups. <laughs> it really is not for kids, but it is uproarious. Like, I think that you, uh, you know, if you've got some, um, some fun time treats, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of your friend, Mary Jane in there, nice. <laughs> you will kick back and love it. Okay, that's great. That's a great sanity corner, and I honestly think I'm probably going to do that. Today yeah, I added it I, to my list. That yeah. sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, please, like, let's start a group text just because I need to know all the reactions. <laughs> I, I'm 100% going to text you, Akila, and I'm also going to text my mom and be like, "Guess what? I'm watching it." <laughs> Finally, saw Baby's Kids, Mom. <laughs> it, you're right. It is not for kids, but I'm a grown up. Um, Thank you, guys. This is all the time we have for the show today. Tien, thanks for joining. Akila, thank you so much for pulling double duty on Crooked Pods today. Of really course. appreciate you. And we need you back. We need you back for our nineties. Our nineties. Oh, uh, yeah, just rehash. text me. Literally, for I'm sure. around for that. And I will. Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this yes. is the first real bark. There's a squirrel wow. outside, and he wants oh. to get. It. Hey, Fauci. Come here. Fauci's podcast debut. I think oh, we should. Oh, I think we should keep Let me grab him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Split him out. laughs> 
Okay, also thank you, Alyssa, as always, for being my ride or die. Thanks to Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro for stopping by to talk about the Family Act. And thanks to all of you, the listeners. There will be more hysteria next week. I am from another planet. This nation Janet. These girls got a fan at Y2K email. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastermonico is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Our digital team is Nar Malconian and Magic Root. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week. hysteria you'll probably like broccoli book club broccoli book club is the first of its kind podcast exploring works from some of the most savvy and talented authors on topics ranging from technology to postpartum to history our book club is not just about learning more about what you already know it's about opening yourself up to stories that you may not have otherwise explored and expanding your knowledge beyond the bounds of your comfort zone new episodes are up bi-weekly on thursdays wherever you get your podcasts look around you can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.